Welcome to the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Here are your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stahl. All right, welcome to our podcast where we cover business in the news and add our legal twist. My name is Nasser Pasha. And I'm Matt Staub. So what are we doing today, Matt? Should we continue with our podcast today or? Yeah, let's just write a, uh, I was thinking about writing a Dear John letter. Wow, that's really great transition. It's not even a pun <laughs> or even clever. <laughs> it's not even a pun. You just took John Deere and just made it Dear John. I, I know you don't watch the NBA playoffs, or at least I don't think you do, but. I hear about it. One of my favorite NBA players of all time, Reggie Miller, now does. He's long retired, but he does the play-by-play for games. And he said something, it was some game, I think last Thursday or Friday, and he said something about they're doing blah, blah, blah with like Steph Curry not on the floor. And he's like, no pun intended. And he said that statement, and I was just sitting there. I was like, that makes no sense. Like, (laughs) what you said was not a pun at all. I was like, I can't be the only one who who picked up on that. And yeah, the next day I looked on this site and it was the title was like, Reggie Miller has no idea how puns work. <laughs> it was just, like It's basically you would just make a statement and then he said, no, no pun intended. And there was no connection at all. Like it was just a sentence. And so that reminds me of Michael Scott's use of the phrase catch 22 in uh, the office. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> catch 22. He doesn't, he also does not know what that means. Yeah. Well, Circling back to the Dear John thing, this is a John Deere-themed story. The tractor company. Also big in Indiana, right? Yeah, probably. I would assume, I guess. Yeah. I'm sure there's other companies, but I I worked at a place that had John Deere, lots of John Deere stuff. So, But yeah, this is a pretty interesting issue, and it's not just John Deere. I know GM has been big on this as well. We're talking about ownership. So what John Deere is saying is, it's filed something in yeah, U.S. Copyright U.S. Copyright Office, yeah, saying that you know people shouldn't be allowed to modify the tractor. So what they're saying is, you know, we have our equipment that we sell to customers and it's protected by copyrights. I think the key part is there's a for this situation is the tractor has a chip with some code in it, so the software, and so you don't actually own the tractor. It's a implied license for the life of the vehicle or for the life of the tractor to operate that. It's a pretty interesting subject because you, you know, you go out and buy, it's not just tractors too. I mean, the majority of the population's not going out and buying these big machines because where would you park it? But what's another good example? Like iTunes music or something like that, I think it's, it's kind of another good, or GM, like I said, so cars, if there's some sort of software in it. So you go out and buy a product, you know, you think you own it, but some of these companies are saying, well, you don't actually own it. It's more of an implied, it's just an implied license because we have the copyright protection on this software. I would say this is pretty complex. I mean, it's it's a sophisticated, very sophisticated argument and kind of goes very closely to John Deere's approach on protecting its intellectual property. It might be a myth. I don't know if people think that or not, but they a lot of people think that you know John Deere owns the color green and and no one can use it. And it is true that the colors, the green background with the yellow logo and writing is part of their trademark, but they don't necessarily own it. But at the same time, you know, there are other machines that can have that color, the the exact same color, I don't know, that shade of green with the yellow and so forth, probably not, that would be more close to the trademark infringement. But my point is, is that John Deere is, is finding ways to 
even more restrict use of its intellectual property. And so what Matt's discussing regarding the ability to modify your tractor software, it, it does sound kind of weird now, but really it's not too strange in the last four or five years with the passing of the Digital Millennium Copyright Act where you know, you, you guys may be more familiar with the restrictions that you may have, for example, in downloading movies or music, or even being able to unlock your iPhone or your iPad. And these kinds of restrictions are all through copyright law, believe it or not. And John Deere is saying, look, we have software that is protected under DMCA and copyright law as well. And so therefore it should have the same kind of protections. It's a weird thing to kind of wrap your head around. There's some other articles that were posted with say like, you know, we need to stop this because this is destroying the idea of ownership, things like that. But I don't think they necessarily understand or have fully thought out the reasoning behind it. It's, it's like these companies are selling a product to consumers and, you know, claiming that it's more of a rental or whatever they want to call, you know, they're calling it an implied license, but these companies are wanting to prevent any sort of alterations or modifications to the product by going into the code or going into the software and, and changing it that way. So I, I mean, what's a class, a classic example would be jailbreaking uh, iPhone. Is that the right? Yeah. Unlocking jailbreaking. Yeah. 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 So something like that. And so, why are these companies so concerned about these sort of things happening? It's like John Deere, why, do, why does it care if someone buys a tractor and they make modifications to it and they change it? Is it safety concerns? Is it branding? I mean, or they just really have a stronghold on, on ownership? Is it like a chef where you go to a restaurant and they, you order something and there's no modifications to the menu because this is the way that it needs to be? I mean, it's, <laughs> that's a weird analogy, but yeah. I understand that there is a, there has been a general pushback in these kinds of restrictions because you know when you buy something there is this understanding that you own it so going back to jailbreaking and unlocking your phones and being able to modify you know when when you for example when you buy a vehicle and a car you can repair it modify it however you want but now because it has certain technology that's not physical that is in a software form, now you can't modify that. So what's interesting about the DMCA is that even if you're not use, not doing it for non-pirating purposes, okay, technically the DMCA makes it illegal to circumvent these restrictions, I think they call it digital rights management, and that's the software, the protection, the security protocols that are used so that you can't copy that. But even circumventing that in order to jailbreak your phone or whatever, is enough to violate that. So now all of a sudden, you know, those that are into cars, I'm sure would want to be able to take off the software governor that restricts the maximum speed because they want to race their car or mess with the timings of, of their engine and so forth. But now because this DMCA or copyright law, you can't do that. And that's basically what John Deere and other vehicle manufacturers are also starting to argue, by the way. I don't know if it's necessarily, it's obviously a protection issue, but it's not really preventing competitors from coming in and, and looking into things. I mean, 
there's a difference between somebody buying something and modifying it through the the software and there's a, as opposed to somebody buying it and then just copying what they did to produce their own separate thing like there's going to be infringement on that so it's I, I get where they're coming from, but I still think this is a pretty weird idea. And I don't know if a lot of a lot of consumers necessarily even know about this or or know how a lot of these things work. It's just I think it's one of those things where people buy something and they just assume that, you know, they own it full and outright. And if they really knew the details behind this, they'd probably get upset about it. But at, at the end of the day. What's the alternative? You don't have to buy it. You can buy something else. Maybe not a John Deere tractor, but you know, if if all the car companies are doing this, that's one thing. But if only one or two, then you know, there's there's alternatives. And you know, copyright law, trademark law, and these kinds of things actually encourage competition to the extent that people aren't penalized for innovating and so forth, or actually rewarded for innovating. But it seems to me this kind of slow creep of big corporate product control doesn't really go towards the protection of in innovation, but rather is starting to push back on the other, other way. And I think rightfully so, there is a lot of backlash from these kinds of these claims. And I'm kind of glad this kind of claim by John Deere is, is making the attention that it is. And I was trying to see when they submitted this proposal or whatever they submitted to the copyright office, just to see. Because we're gonna we're gonna get some sort of decision on this in the near future, I believe. Well, the aspect that they allege that it's an implied license is interesting because what what they mean is that when someone bought a tractor, there wasn't in there a specific express license that you can use this, and it's only for temporary purposes. And so what they're saying is, is that because we didn't assign you the license or the ownership to this intellectual property just because you bought the hardware doesn't mean that you own it. And I wonder if they're in the future, they're gonna start like other software developers say, okay, we're gonna sell you this tractor, but sell you with it a license agreement for the software that restricts your use for modification. Yeah, Everyone's pretty much accepted that if you, if you buy a book from the bookstore, you're free to sell that at a garage sale. But if you go to amazon.com and download an ebook, and print it out, you can't sell that. It's kind of a cultural acceptance, but not only that, it's much easier for Amazon to put in its terms and conditions that, hey, you can't sell this ebook. So they could do the same thing with a tractor and have a cultural shift, but I, I, would, I would find it strange that farmers and you know other users of tractors alike would be too tolerant with that kind of shift, you know? Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I bet they go that. We'll see them go that route as well. I mean, what's one other thing that someone's going to sign to to buy something? I don't. They might not even notice. It's going to slowly creep into more corporate control of of this stuff. They buy this big tractor, and it comes with a CD or a disc that they have to put in their computer to accept a license agreement. Press accept or whatever. <laughs> well, that that's a crazy thing too. Is and I think GM was even, I don't know if they did this or they just threatened to do this. They've even talked about locking people out of the car because it has, the cars have the, they have the power to do that, which is crazy. I mean, I think that's going a step too far, but they really want to protect what they have. Well, if you, like for example, Tesla, the car actually gets updates from corporate and that's where things are headed, where your your hardware that you're using has very little hardware. It's mostly software that's actually you know running the 
the the actual brains of it you know it's not as simple as it as it was so i think everyone can can relate and understand to the concept but it's just like are we there yet do we want to stretch it that far yeah so we'll be we'll have to keep an eye on this with these claims that are filed because i think this will be be a pretty big thing that'll affect a lot of different companies and products and consumers as a whole so should be pretty interesting very good so I think that's our episode. I want to make sure everyone uh, is aware of our iTunes channel to be able to leave a five-star review. And that helps us out quite a bit. You won't own it. It's just a... Yeah. You don't own this podcast either. You just have an implied license to listen to it. And one last thing. You mentioned the thing about the colors of John Deere. I mean, wasn't that the exact same colors as that? Remember that New Jersey pizza place? Yeah, it was. And the turnpike logo or whatever it was like the exact same colors right it was and if they were using it in the in the similar industry then i think there would be a definite likelihood of confusion there yeah even though there was already a likelihood of confusion actually i think what ended up happening with that case is it was dismissed but not because of on substantive grounds right they ended up it, it was because of the location of when it was filed or something i can't remember yeah i don't i don't recall either I should never brought it up. <laughs> yeah, most people don't even know what we're referring to. You have to go back to a very early episode. Yeah, it was a while ago. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Yep. Keep us on. Keep us smart. This has been the Legally Sound Smart Business Show with your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stop. The Legally Sound Smart Business Show is your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Legally Sound Smart Business is a podcast that is intended but not promised or guaranteed to be current, complete, or up-to-date, and should in no way be taken as an indication of future results. No attorney-client relationship is created by listening or submitting questions to the podcast. The podcast does not constitute legal advice, but rather is offered only for general informational and educational purposes. You should not act or rely on any information in the podcast without first seeking the advice of an attorney. The opinions expressed in the podcast reflect the views of those individuals and do not necessarily represent the views of any other individual or business. For more information about the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, visit LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com.